Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mace, here with Jay Jones and special guest, Philip Tomlin. What up? How you doing, Philip? Doing good. good. And this is a uh, unique podcast for us. For sure. It's a Tuesday night. Tuesday night, (laughs) yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Recording a uh, free for all Friday on a Tuesday night, so we could have this yeah. fella. I feel so special. You guys going out of your way to just rescheduling for you. Yeah. Thanks, just Thanks. for you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we're we're thinking like, hey, let's you know what would be a good good one to do is do a uh, podcast on worship, and we're like, well, we have to have Philip on that one since he's our elder that is in charge of planning our worship services. He's the expert. So how could we do one without having Philip on? <laughs> Right, I'm touched. I'm very touched. But you guys really don't need me here. <laughs> you guys are doing great. But I'm <clears throat> well, you you uh, you are you text you text me almost every Sunday and talk about the many worship services that you watch every Sunday. So <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment in some ways. <laughs> so you do uh, you do know what's going on out there. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I guess before we start the podcast off, maybe we just say our intention. Like, I, I don't, our intention is not to say, hey, we do worship right and everybody else does worship wrong. Um, nor is it to come across hey, that. You got me here under false pretenses, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also don't want to come across as like uh, fundamentalist jerks, right? right. So, uh, you know, there was a time where, I was not part of a church like our church, and worship was different. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think, you know, kind of arrived where I am over time, mm-hmm. like most people. So there are other people out there that maybe more are like me, and they all they know is a certain way of kind of American Christianity and and going to a Sunday experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's some some churches even call them that Sunday yeah. experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to a Sunday experience, and maybe it's not so much um, done on purpose, but it's it's more centered around the the guests or the visitors. Whereas you know where I'm at now is worship is for God. Like what we do on Sunday is for God, and I'm okay with having other events and other things for visitors, yeah. but. Uh, I think it'd be good if we just kind of walk through that because there's a lot of stuff that kind of is going on out there, you know. Oh, yeah. um, when we moved to Kansas City, I think is when my eyes sh- kind of started to open um, to this. We were looking for a church. Uh, this would be 2010 time frame, I think, and we visited so many different ones, and there were, I mean, anything you could imagine. I mean, we went to one, and I remember they they had a guy and he was banging away like standing up like banging on the piano it reminded me of the what's the guy great balls of fire mm. you know that guy oh yeah what is his name Jerry Lewis, yeah, yeah. Thank, there he is, Larry. Larry, 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 Larry needs a mic. Larry, <laughs> that's why you need a mic, Larry. <laughs> and he he is he's just banging away on that piano like that. It's exactly what it reminded yeah. me. Of. And then there was a guy, a mobile guy, like you might see running down the sidelines with a camera. He ran across the yeah. stage and he like zoomed in on his hands, like followed him around. And I'm like, this is this is like a. Where am I at? Like this is a Angie squeezed my leg because she knew I was about to, like she knew I was about to like have a freak out. Yeah. Um, so we just like 
politely, when it was appropriate time, we left because the impression that I got was God wasn't being worshipped. You know, yeah. it was it was a production. It was, you know, so that's when I and I didn't really even I don't I don't feel like you know I knew very much about worship at that time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just a sense that I got that something was really wrong going on in here. Yeah, you know what I mean. And of course, you know, we tried many churches, and finding a new church is hard. Um, and then since that time, you know, I think I've observed a lot of really weird stuff <laughs> going on on Sunday morning. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff, man, going on on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so maybe we start there, guys. Like, what kind of stuff have you guys seen that's going on on Sunday mornings? Um, and then we can talk about a definition of worship. And then how do we build that definition? What informs that? Um, we'll get into many questions here. We'll, we'll probably You're, even get into talking about things like the regular principle, normative principle, and we'll want to explain that for people that don't know. Yeah. But what kind of uh, stuff have you guys seen? You're skipping my free-for-all Friday uh, material. Oh, is it worship-related? It's not. <laughs> okay, all right, so we'll take a pause for... But i got to show it. Okay. okay we'll, as soon as I saw this, I was like, I wanted to send it to you immediately. <laughs> All right, and I was like, "No, this is podcast. This, this is podcast worthy." <laughs> okay, let's. So it's AI related. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a commercial. It is because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a baseball commercial. Okay, All so right, it's, so it, this is this is this this ties right into who you are. Okay? <laughs> it is an AI baseball commercial for the Toronto Blue Jays. Which, yeah, <laughs> but well, I'll just let the All right, let's let the video uh, show <laughs> I'm for itself. Are you, are you ready? If you you guys just if you're a podcast like listener only, you're gonna have to look at the video because this stuff is some weird stuff. All right, you got the you got the volume. Up? Oh yeah, it's all up. right. Here we go. You got a diamond. <laughs> Uh, got nine men. <laughs> oh my goodness. You got the bleachers. Got them from spring till fall. Got a dog and a drink and the umpire's call. All the kids look the same. Let's play ball. That's a serious hot dog. (laughs) They got the logo messed up. Is is that real? (laughs) It's so crazy, man. Uh, we'll only be able to enjoy these crazy things for a time because it's going to get better and it's going to start making real commercials. Right. <laughs> so we're in a sweet oh, spot. We're in a sweet spot in history. Yeah. Before the AI takeover and enslavement of humanity, where we can still laugh at it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> before it takes over, before it becomes our our new overlord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry to interrupt your your really serious. Oh, you know, <laughs> line I, just, of, line of I, yeah, I just figured it's but uh, it's oh, free man. for all, and I've I I just been holding on to that for yeah. probably a week and a half, two weeks. I'm glad you did. 
I'm glad you waited to share that with yeah. us. Mm-hmm. That was great. Was you like that? With that everyone. Was great. <laughs> yeah. It's worth watching on YouTube, listeners. Yep. Yeah. It's a good one. All right. So back to <laughs> <laughs> back to what really matters. Right. Yeah. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what what have you guys seen out there for worship that uh, strikes you as we could just say maybe some just odd or or maybe just outright downright inappropriate. Well, I, you no. you probably had similar experiences. My first the first church that I I was a minister in was a small small country church. And it has its own personality. Um things like and and I I talked about this stuff um, in one of my classes in seminary, and, and people just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" Hmm. Uh, doing birthdays? Oh, yeah. In the Sunday service? Yeah, yeah. Sunday morning? Oh, yeah, yeah. Birthday, uh, the little, the little, the little, the little church, the little church that you would come up and put money in if it was your birthday or anniversary, and everyone would sing, "Yeah, Happy Birthday." <laughs> yeah, they'd sing Happy Birthday to you. Hmm. Yeah, first church I served at every week, and then as I got to where. I'm feeling, what's going on here? We got it down to once a month. Okay. But even then, yeah, it's it's huh. in a lot of small churches. It's I've a never seen event. any birthdays. Yeah. yeah. It's time to start. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we have yeah. sung happy birthday in our members meeting to a few people whose birthdays landed on that day. Right. Yeah. We yeah. could pull in everybody that month. Yeah. Huh? Oh, <laughs> but you, like the people would walk down to the front and they would stand in the front and you would sing happy birthday to them. That'd be the worst birthday of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, I, I've told you guys many a times, like if I have a preference, I'm not getting up in front of people and speaking. Yeah. I, I do it because I feel God's called me to do it. Yeah. And he helps me to, to to do that every Sunday. Right. But if, if I was just in a church and they were like, Brother Jay, it's your birthday. Come well, on up here. I'd be like, See you guys. <laughs> well, that well that that's a that's another thing that um, I think maybe died down during COVID, but I don't know if it's coming back. It's the welcome time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I mean, there's just been a whole variety of ways that churches have done it. That I think the most common way is just you know you have a welcome time and the visitors can remain seated and people can you know welcome you. But uh, at Phillips Old Church. Oh boy! <laughs> yep, the pastor would actually have you stand up, and he, and he'd ask you to introduce yourself. A visitor? <laughs> he, he, great guy. Very. I mean, but yeah, for people that are very introverted, that can be just oh yeah, mortifying. <laughs> and so, especially without any warning. <laughs> In my defense, I didn't know he was going to do that to you. <laughs> I've seen that before uh, in some yeah. of the military chapels growing up. Really? Yeah, as you move, you move somewhere. Oh yeah. And and even though I didn't have to say anything, like you know, my dad would say, "Hey, this is my family, it's my kids." I dread, I would dread it. Mm. Absolutely dread it. Yeah. But right in the middle of worship, right? That's what you're talking about. Like we are. Just, oh yeah. We have started you're, to engage worshiping God, and then we take a pause. And it would be like, I mean, it would it would be towards the beginning, but you yeah. would have you already have sung a hymn. Yeah, like the worship service is going right at this point, right? And you're stopping for five minutes at the very least. But for for me, it's always been hard for me to to in worship services. I I don't know if it's just I'm always thinking about time, like 
I know we shouldn't be thinking about the time just we're there to worship God. But for me, it, that's something that I'm trying to I try to be conscientious of because I know that as Americans, we have trouble um, paying attention after a certain period of time. So I'm trying to get to the the sermon mm. so that to help people. Um, and so whenever I see place that spends so much time on things that aren't commands from scripture to do in worship services, I just have this part of me that just cringes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is time that could be used for, for this or for scripture reading or for prayer, you know? And so, but that, well, I I think, I think a lot of people divide, they divide the service. Mm. You've got the worship time and then you've got the sermon. And they don't consider the, they don't consider the sermon part of worship. Right. Um, And a lot of people, they, find the sermon more boring mm. and so you want the worship time to be longer yeah 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 that's right there there's one church that i, I watch every every once in a while just to kind of see um we don't have anything in common with them but they will spend about an hour and 15 minutes mm. singing and doing their worship time before they even get anywhere close to having a message mm. well that's yeah. going over an hour for a worship service in itself you know, is well, today you, is a rarity. That's it why is. you've got to have the yeah. hype. That's why, that's why it's got to be. You you've got to have the high energy lights and the band, and you've got to have all this exciting stuff to get people moving around. Yeah, um, because people want to be entertained. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I've heard people say that before. Uh, without thinking about what they're actually saying, they'll say something like, I didn't really like that church because um, their wor- the their worship just didn't make me feel good mm. or something like that, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It wasn't, uh, it didn't, their singing didn't minister to me. Things yeah. like that, you know what I mean? And I think that when people say that, what they reveal is they have an incorrect view about what we're doing on Sunday anyway. Yeah. Right? We're not, we're not, primarily coming to church to feel good though it may it may make us feel good and it may refresh us i mean you know i i told you i thank you for preaching that that sermon really refreshed me you know what i'm saying um so that is a byproduct of what we're primarily there to do which is to 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 worship god you know Uh, kind of a simple definition of worship i mean i guess if we're kind of there is i think to uh, render unto god reverential acts of of service and adoration. Yeah. I think that's just a very simple definition. That's what we do. And of course, you know, all of life is is worship. Paul many times talks about living our life as a living sacrifice. But when the people gather together together, I mean, we are we are primarily focused on God, not on ourselves. Right. So it's for him um reverential meaning I think that it's done in admiration and love um and with respect, right? You can get you can get uh, admiration and love at a Justin Bieber concert, right? <laughs> the girls falling over themselves. Oh <laughs> yeah, you'd know not, better than us. Not Jay. me, maybe George. Not me. <laughs> right. No, that's what that's you, you've seen them. I know you've seen them online. Um, but God is worthy of even more than that: reverential right. love, adoration, respect, and fear. Right. Um, people don't really fear. I think. There was... Hopefully not Justin Bieber, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's primarily 
the gathered worship. It's yeah. it's to sing to worship God, and we can we'll we'll run through I'm sure kind of uh, what we do on a Sunday. Um, do you want to talk about a few of the things that you've seen? Uh, you know, one of the well, things that I've seen that always kind of stuck out in my mind, I told you about it before, was I think when I was starting to form, like, what is worship, was uh, a guy get a tattoo. <clears throat> now, I believe in Kansas City, the pastor himself got a tattoo while he was preaching, quote, right? But there's a video of, is it in Las Vegas? I think it was in Las Vegas. Where the, he's preaching and one of the congregants is getting a tattoo, like they're up there in the tattoo chair getting a tattoo and and whatever, and it just kind of like that just sticks out in my mind for some <clears> reason <throat> that when stuff like that is going on in the church, something's gone wrong in our in our theology and our understanding of who God is. But it could be more innocent than that. Now, you know, we've Fourth of July just came and went right, yeah. um, and what what kind of you know, I don't want to yeah, hog the thing, but what kind of went went on around here? And not just around yeah. here. I think in many churches in the Bible Belt. Well, I think probably. That's, I think that's good to point out um, that we're not we're not picking on any one particular church when we talk about patriotic stuff because it's. I mean, it's just everywhere. It really is. <clears throat> I think Bible Belt's a good assessment. Uh, I didn't really watch anybody outside. Outside of our area, so but around Fourth of July, I saw multiple services where um, they began with the Pledge of Allegiance, then the national anthem. Right, and I, I don't think that there was any bad intentions. <laughs> I, ha- I have a question about that. Is is that Christian nationalism? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, the, the, there's yeah. a so I want to I want to I want to push back on the idea that. In a kind way, I, hopefully, <laughs> uh, people who say, "Well, we really love our country," you know, and we, on the Fourth of July, we want to honor our service members, and so we sing, you know, we'll sing the national anthem uh, because we're grateful for what God has done in this country. So we we'll sing the national anthem. Maybe we'll sing the army song, some other songs like that. Um, a lot of churches do that. American yeah. flag on on stage. Um, that's tough for me, just to be honest with you, because I know a lot of people. I'm sensitive to it for number one, for, because I think it's personally, I think it's insulting to God to do that. Um, you know, we have, and I think it sends all kinds of mixed messages about what the body of Christ is. I, I sent a message to somebody who's in a foreign country; they haven't seen it yet, but uh, so I can't say what their response is. But I ask them, "What would you think if you came to America and you saw American flag on stage?" And then people gave the said the pledge of allegiance mm-hmm. and sang the national anthem, you know. Um, I think I know what they'll say. I think they will be totally shocked. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, I've got a problem when people say we just love our country so much that we gotta we got in the worship of God. We're gonna take songs away from God and give them to the country. But you know, there was a gigantic war going on for the past twenty years. You could have volunteered. Mm. So don't tell me it's really about love, because, you know, Jesus says it clearly. You have, no one has got greater love than this. They lay down their life for their friends. So if you weren't willing to actually do that, to put your life on the line, um, don't tell me you love the country so much that you're going to take a song away from God. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I really don't like that. Yeah. Um, now, I, again, it's not—I don't think it's done 
they're not trying to do something. I think they're actually maybe trying to honor service mem- members, but that's not what we should be doing in church anyway. They are. I, I, we I should, think that, you can I, honor them all week long. Right. I, I think that they have good intentions. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they're doing something in a sinister way. I, and I don't think that they would they would say we're we're taking worship away from God. I think that just their their view of the worship service in general is more of an assembly. Mm. Like more of, you know, you go to a school assembly and you've got announcements and you've got maybe a, you know, you have maybe like the school choir sing something, uh, you know, you've you've got just a bunch of a bunch of stuff going on. I, I think that's kind of the way that people view the worship service. It's it's just the time when the church gets together and has a program, yeah. right? Um, and, and so, well, it's it's the Fourth of July or it's Veterans Day or whatever. Um, and so, well, we we've, we've got to do something for that, right? Or it's or it's Christmas, so we got to do something for that, or you know, what whatever holiday is is coming. Yeah, we got right? yeah, we've got to honor mothers, or we got to uh, honor, right. honor fathers, right. or veterans, mm-hmm. but. Why not just honor God and let's honor go. and then the other six days of the week, honor those people. <laughs> yeah, you right know, now. do something special for them. Right. Even have a special service if you want. You know. Yeah. It it's like the and I don't know. I I may I may just be be hitting around at symptoms and not getting at like the root. But I I think a lot of people who are members of church churches. They view Sunday morning as that's church, and then it's it's they compartmentalize everything, and so you've got work, and you've got school, and you've got you know your kids have uh, football practice or whatever, and and we have church on Sunday, and it's just it's just a, it's just another thing that's on your schedule that you do, and so it's not like the central thing to who you are, All right? Um, Church should be at the center of of who we are as Christians because we've been saved not as just individuals, but we've been saved corporately. And so we should put the emphasis, the weight on the corporate nature of the church. And then everything else Mm. should just kind of revolve around that. So if you've got, I have have some friends... um, who they they always struggled with the fact that their their family would always schedule birthday parties on Sunday mornings, mm. oh. knowing that my friends are Christians, their yeah. family wasn't, but they would you know, well what do you do? Well if if you are putting the weight on the corporate nature of the church, then if something else comes up that conflicts with the the meeting of the church, you go to church, <laughs> and that's and that yeah. and it was re- it was really a big struggle. Um, for them, but I, I think a lot of people they don't view it that way. They they just see churches as just one other thing that you do, and so, well, I don't want to do something else mm. with the church. Sunday morning is when I'm with the church, and then I do something else. You know, Sunday night I don't want to. I don't want to have you know uh, a, another worship service. I don't want to have another meeting. I don't want to do something else with the church. I I don't know if that's like uh, the problem, but maybe just just kind of a symptom of, of yeah. something deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I feel like we really try to stress this. And I, I feel like we're getting better at stressing that Sunday morning as we gather, this is the most important meeting you will have all week. 
And so you must guard this. And so, and, and I really do think you're on the right track because a lot of people don't see it as this is the most important, um, most right. important event that's going to happen this week. Um, and as a result, birthday parties, games, whatever, um, is going to take precedence over, over this. And it's sad. Yeah. We, um, I've told y'all before when I visited down in, uh, in Florida to RC Sproul's church, it was, I think it was, it had to have been like maybe four months before he died. And that really had a big impact on me. So you go in there, right? Like we, you know, we had gone down to Disney world and we rented a car to drive up there on Sunday so we could go worship there. And so, you know, we were already kind of in that vacation deal. So then we get there, and to be honest with you, going to see R.C. Sproul is almost like a vacation for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then the guy totally changed my mindset because he got up, uh, one of the other elders, because R.C. Sproul sits down in a chair with his oxygen waiting for the guys to help him get up, you know? And he says, um, uh, brothers and sisters, we are about to worship the living God. And this is unlike anything else we do this, you know, in our lives. So let's take, you know, I think they did like five minutes. Let's take five minutes uh, to prepare ourselves to come into the presence of God together and worship Him. And it was total, then it was total silence mm. for five minutes. It was like, it was like, Going through a portal into another world, that five minutes. And you brought that back to, yeah. to yeah. us, yeah. and we started doing that. And I really appreciate that because we we do. We just, people are just joking and talking and catching up. And then uh, it's the worship time, and they're still, they could still be in the middle of a conversation. And, and I like that we call attention to the fact that we are, we are getting ready to worship. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's let's still our our minds and our hearts for a few minutes as we get ready to worship, and not just treat it like it's something casual that we're just you know it's it's just another thing we're yeah. you know we're mm -hmm. like going to the movies like I don't have to prepare myself to watch the movies you know sometimes you can go to church at the movies that's right <laughs> there it is huh <laughs> that's a thing nowadays. Yeah, um, there there should be some reverence to it, and that time of of preparing, of just being quiet, and praying, and contemplating what we're about to do, right. has been helpful. Yeah, yeah. So Philip, since you're the kind of the worship elder, you kind of plan it. Can you explain to everyone what do we do in church on Sunday, and why do we do those things? Yeah, so we we engage with God. Uh, that that is what we've we've gathered to do. And so, as the church gathers corporately, um, the whole um, I almost said hour, but we certainly don't meet for an hour. <laughs> the probably, whole the whole time. It's probably an hour and a half. An hour and a half is a good assessment. But but the whole point is engaging with God, and the way that we do that is through His Word. And so there is this, I don't know who first coined the expression, but there's this rhythm of worship that's happening where it's um, revelation and response, where we, God speaks, we hear his word, and then we respond through prayers, through singing, through um, 
through receiving the word, through hearing the public reading of scripture, um, every single point of the service, there's not a moment when we're not engaging with God, either hearing from him or us responding to what he is, he has said. And so, so that is at the heart of what's taking place on Sunday mornings is, uh, we are receiving the word of God. And as a result, we're responding to the word of God. And ultimately it's going to lead to us responding with our lives. And we leave this place and we, we go from corporate worship to um, living lives of worship, uh, where we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. In our, our daily lives, we are just continuing what's, hap- what's taken place on Sunday. We're still responding to that as we carry on our week. Uh, I love to remind people. Yeah, people I mean, people, sometimes people say, I worship God on the golf course. And I, and I say, yeah, on, I do dude. too, just not on Sunday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> worship God on the golf course. <laughs> worship God wherever you're at, absolutely. But don't miss this. Um, I, like the, uh, I like the emphasis you're putting on the fact that worship really is, it's not us taking the initiative. Mm, that's it's right. us responding to God who has taken the initiative. So right. God has revealed himself to us that's right. and we respond to him mm. in worship. That's right. So it's not, it's not something that we're, we're doing out of our own desires or ingenuity or, or, or whatever. It's in response to something that God has done. So if we're not, right. if we're not accurately knowing that revelation, then we're not going to accurately being, uh, be responding That's to right. that revelation. That's right. And, and something along those lines, Jesus even tells us that God takes the initiative. He, he's, seeking, he's seeking worshipers. And so God takes the initiative, and we respond to what God has, has, has said. Mm. And so, yeah. So what does that look like for us every Sunday morning? Like, can yeah. you walk through it? So... At, I'm and I'm just going to echo what George said just a moment ago because I am just so grateful for you preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes because when you hit chapter five, that's when we really, um, I, I just felt very convicted that we need to be more serious in how we approach and how we mm. uh, how we begin and so we uh, began we begin our services now with that uh, moment of just let's prepare our hearts. Right, we're about to. So yeah, yeah. Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes five yeah. begins with "guard your steps when you go to the house yeah. of God," and and it what it means is be careful. Yeah, right. It's it's kind of, I th- I believe you know intertextuality is the term that's often used um, in theologians. But what that means is the Bible has sometimes cle- uh, explicit cross references or quotes, sometimes uh, shadows, allusions, um, and this is I think clearly referencing, you know, when people come into the presence of God, they take their shoes off. Yeah. And it's kind of a tradition that would even, I think, stick with the Israelites for a long time in their history, but obviously going back to Moses, yeah. as he approaches the burning bush, God tells him, take off your, you know, your sandals, you're on holy ground. And that's how Ecclesiastes 5 begins, to guard your steps. It means to be careful. Yeah. Be careful, you're approaching God. Just think about that. Like, does that strike you as, for American Christianity, um, does that strike you as a mark of what you see in American Christianity today? That, yeah. people, that people believe they ought to be careful when they draw near to God. It, it's like the American church has neutered God. <laughs> they, they've, they, they've made God into 
Jesus is a friend of mine. You know, they've made God into uh, the man upstairs. They've made God someone who's not, you wouldn't be afraid of this God in in so many cases. And I I always come back to, there's a quote by Alexander Pope where he says, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And I try to, that that's always stuck out to me. Break that down. That's a great quote. What does that mean? It just a complete fool would rush in to a place where angels are even afraid to to step foot. So like you it's think like, it's from so, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six, uh, where they hide their hide themselves. I, I think from, that's a good from from God's yeah. glory. And so if angels are afraid to even look upon and even to to show their feet, how prideful of us to just rush in on a Sunday morning and. Hey church, how y'all doing? Let's sing this hymn or let's sing this song and then just blast it. Why? And <laughs> right. and that's 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 the norm. And it's it's really sad and it's scary to think about how few churches really have taken time to consider we're going into the presence of the God of the universe. I, I've got this video of uh, of Mike Todd from. Transformation Church. Oh yeah, up in Tulsa. In Tulsa, um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to show it? What is it? Um, it's just part of their worship service. Okay, we may establish that there's more. a little bit. It just shows the uh, lack of irreverence. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see it. That's bizarre, bro. And it's from it's from different angles. For those for he's, those that are just listening, he's uh, he's crowd surfing. So he's jumped off the stage, like kind of like a, a rock star would, and he's crowd surfing. Yeah, he just jumps off the stage, and every uh, like everyone erupts, and it, it's a it looks like a concert. It does. It does. It, it looks does. just like a concert. I don't I, like I don't know how you would even distinguish between a concert and what this is. Like the, right. it doesn't even look like. A church. I, I don't even know how you would tell someone. This I'll tell. This is what my church service. Sometimes looks like. it makes me wonder. Um, I mean, I I, I got to speak honestly, right? Um, I got to be careful though, because I don't want to come across as a jerk. Sometimes I don't believe. Like when things like this happen, sometimes I think I wonder: Do they believe that God of the Bible is real? Mm. Well, <sighs> you know what I mean, right? Do they actually believe that he that God is real? And we're we're jumping ahead a little bit, and and kind of the flow that you were going for, but I, I think there is um, this separation of the Testaments. So you've got God in the Old Testament, and I don't know, we'll probably look at at least, at least Leviticus, um, and people die. <laughs> they, well, die uh, they die in the presence of God, and then you get to the New Testament, well, and you're like, well, Jesus is the nicer, right. is the nicer side of God. And so that that stuff doesn't happen anymore, um, and yet, yet there's, forgetting there's like X a, five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Or, or First Corinthians eleven. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys you are going to have to explain these, now. right? Like, people, well, I didn't know. If we, gonna... I don't know if we wanted to get there yet, <laughs> yeah. but I I think that there is this discontinuity between the testaments, and people are like, well, that used to happen, but that that wouldn't doesn't happen, happen anymore because right. Jesus doesn't do that kind of stuff, and and um, I, so I, I don't think that we fear. I don't think we fear God. And that's that's not that's not just uh, someone else's problem. That's a that's a me problem. Oh, yeah. I there I often don't fear God the way that I ought to, right? And yeah. we rush we rush in to worship um, this God 
who we should we should recognize who he is. Yeah. Like the the priest when they when they were serving in the in the tabernacle and later in the temple, they were literally taking their lives in their hands whenever they went into the building. Yeah. Um, I, I was just reading out of Numbers today where God is giving instructions to Moses about what the priests are supposed to do and how the Levites are supposed to act, and they're not supposed to do certain things lest they die. <laughs> like they're given instructions for their safety. Um, the, I mean, and these are parts of the Bible that people probably like to skim over because, well, this, this isn't the, the exciting parts. This is kind of boring. Why, why do we even need this? Um, the, the, even the structure of um, the Israelite camp was surrounding the, the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron and his sons in front of the tabernacle to, to guard it yeah. so that people didn't just casually approach God in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. were supposed to kill anybody yeah. right. who did that. Uh, and we, we think, well, things have changed. Like, we're not there anymore. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's a real problem with our reading of the Bible yeah. that has modern uh, mm-hmm. repercussions. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, how you read the Bible, how you interpret these things, will affect real-life situations. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's where it begins. Um it, we um, scripture hasn't really maybe shaped worship, yeah. um, but let's continue on. So you say we we yeah. we begin with uh, a moment of silence uh, to yeah, prepare to kind of separate ourselves our from from what we have been doing all week to get ready for what we are doing now. Yeah, and then we'll take a moment just to um, whoever's kind of leading that moment and kind of helping people guide that they'll they'll lead us in a prayer, but then immediately. We're going to have a call to worship that's going to come from the Word of God. So um, we read a scripture. We'll read a, a scripture. So uh, revelation. And so right? revelation, exactly. God, God reveals Himself. That's that's where we want to begin, is because God has spoken, and how are we going? to... Uh, Alistair Begg has a great clip where he talks about he went to a church and the call to worship was how y'all doing this morning, and then he just goes off. He's like, oh, "That's a great clip." Yeah, he's just like, "I feel rotten. What do you got for me?" You know, he's like, <laughs> you mean, "I'm gonna pull it oh, up." Man, it's so good. But that, I think I think that's something that's becoming more of um, more widespread is because I, I've he- I've heard people talk about this um, from different places. Are are people like um, it's almost like a it's almost like a talk show. Oh yeah. At the beginning of the worship service, like people yeah. are are on stage, like talking to each other, talking to the audience, mm-hmm. and I don't know, just kind of loosening. Yeah. Loosening everyone Loosen everybody up. up. It's icebreakers. Yeah, yeah. You guys want me to show the Alistair Bed clip? I found it. Yeah. Oh, man, it's a good one. All right, let's get this volume turned up. The Christian faith uh, engages our minds. This is something that we have to keep reminding ourselves of so that we don't allow our minds to fossilize and that we continue to be sharpened and to make progress. I was at a church in California just a few weeks ago now, back in August, I think it was, time flies, and I went there. I had a Sunday free, and I was staying with friends, and I went down to the church, and I was excited because I get to go now, and I don't have to do anything at all except do whatever they tell me to do. And so I sat there, and I waited for it to begin. And it was quite fascinating, actually. They had big screens, and they had a clock on the screens, and when I got in, it said five minutes, 
and I've only been in about two seconds, and you won't be surprised, it said four minutes and 58 seconds, and uh, then it <laughs> counted down, and eventually when it counted down, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and just right on the moment of time, the band began, and, and I was waiting for David Letterman at that point, anybody, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. And then, and then eventually the band did what it did, and then the, the person who was to lead the, the praise, his opening gambit was this. Hey, how do y'all feel this morning? Well, that was enough for me. I was ready. I, we could have had the benediction right there. That was so good. <laughs> I thought, what kind of New Testament question is that? How do you all feel this morning? If I told you how I feel, especially in light of the last five minutes, you would question my, whether I was even a Christian at all. So don't ask me that question. Ask me what I know. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what I know about his word. Ask me what I know to be a verity that can deal with my soul. That's what I need. Don't make me sing songs about how I feel. Don't. The silly repetitive songs again and again. I just want to praise you. Lift my hands and say I love you. You are everything to me. Goodness, at half past eight on a Sunday morning, I'm barely ambulatory. I can't start there. <laughs> and you want me to say that. I just kicked the dog, and I don't even have a dog. I, I, I can argue with someone because they took my parking space. I never had spilled my coffee. I didn't read my Bible. I'm a miserable wretch. And now you want me to start here. How do you feel? I feel rotten. That's how I feel. What do you got for me? <laughs> the answer, nothing. I got nothing for you. That's why you have to get yourself under the control of the scriptures. That's there why. You go. That's the mm. famous clip. Yeah. Yeah. One of his many. Right. I love Alistair Begg. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't just begin with. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> right. Let's let's sing now. It's like you've got people that uh, I talk, speaking from experience. You're wrestling the kids yeah. to get ready. You're all you're yelling at them on the way to church, <laughs> and you get here. <laughs> when when he says, "I," you would question if I was a Christian. Right. There have been times where you know uh, you do have that with the kids and stuff, and right. then you got to get up and and try to help people worship. It's like. Mm. God help me. Right. And that that's why we need revelation first. Exactly. That's why we start exactly. with revelation because if we start with us, sometimes it's just not there. Exactly. The I mean we we're we are not we're not able to just produce this this passion, this zeal, this devotion. We we need to respond to what God has done for us. And but when we respond or when we hear, you know, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It's like it just stirs something within you that I'm meeting with this God and he has been gracious enough and kind enough to make himself known. It's like, okay, let's let's get after it. <laughs> yeah. It's like this, this is no ordinary person that has right. spoken. And so we have this call to come and worship this God and come respond to what he has said. And so we, we sing and man, wherever I say we sing, 
Christ Fellowship Church sings. Oh, mm-hmm. Sing really loud. Really loud. They, we moved up to the front because you know we had to expand uh, and add more chairs yeah. to make room for visitors. And I, had, I hadn't sit up front in probably several years. And the church is singing very loud. Yeah. And, very loud. And I, man, I'm so grateful to the Lord for so much. Um, but one of the things that really just strikes me is our church sings like they believe what they're singing. Mm. And and the men in our church sing they, too. They do. You know, that's one thing you'll know, notice. Like, men don't have a problem singing. Like, we'd run in formation for 10 miles, singing songs for 10 miles. Enthusiastic. You know, you don't want to know what soldiers sing about, but <laughs> it's not podcast appropriate. <laughs> So men sing, and but men don't often they don't they don't often sing loud in church, and the men in our church sing loud, and I love that. Well, it's not that it's not that they have a problem with singing; it's that a lot of churches sing the "Jesus is my boyfriend" songs, and guys don't want to sing that. Mm. They want to sing real real theology. They want to yeah. they want to sing something real. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely, that's a good that's a good point. And so yeah. we. We sing. We respond in song, but then we... So our worship service really kind of takes the flow of Isaiah 6, which is basically, it's that outline of the gospel. Do we, so, want, to, do we want to read Isaiah 6? Sure. Yeah, let's do it, man. So call to worship. People might say, well, what, do you have to begin with a call to worship for reading Scripture? Um, I didn't do it. We probably should have. How many times do you think, if you could estimate in the Bible, that we are called to worship God? Or... <laughs> Like it's it's a lot. Uh, yeah, Let that, that's an understatement. Yeah, unfair it's question, a, man. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just as we think of just the command to sing, mm. you know, to, I think there's at least fifty direct commands to sing in scripture. There's over four hundred references to singing in the scriptures, and so, but over and over again, we are commanded just to sing. But then. You go throughout the rest of the Psalms, we're commanded to do all these other things. Mm. And so there's all these calls to worship. Yeah, Psalm 100 is, is just kind of a noteworthy Psalm yes. because it, it, it's filled with imperatives, yeah. commands, make a loud shout, serve, come, know, um, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks to him. And just all, it, it is, it's, yeah. it's this invitation to come in and to worship. And what's interesting about Psalm 100 is all these calls to worship are responses to, uh, for the Lord is God. Right. And it's all, it's all responses to the revelations of who he is. Right. So absolutely. Let me, let me read Isaiah six. So this is where we get our, our order of service, the way that we go about it. Um, it's shaped by, by this passage. Um, it says in Isaiah six, first eight verses, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And so just in that passage, we have this, just this flow of there's a revelation of God. You, you see who God is. But then as a result of seeing this revelation, Isaiah's undone. He, he's convicted of his sin. He confesses his sin. But that's immediately followed by an assurance of pardon. Mm. The touching, touching his lips with that coal, he, he's assured he's been, his sins have been atoned for and covered. Um, and then as a result, um, as a result of that, there's this um, this response of who will go for us? Here am I, send me. So it's, and so basically each week, and that's the story of the gospel: God, man, Christ response, or um, God revelation or conviction of sin, revelation of grace response. You know, you could go either way on that. Um, and so each week, as we are. Um, as we're going through our liturgy each week, we are basically proclaiming the gospel in the way that we go about our worship services. And so um, early in the service, we have a time where we we just stop and we corporately confess our sin. We acknowledge that, you know, God, you are holy, and we are, we, we've done things that have gone against your will and character. We have sinned, and so we confess our sin, but then we always make sure that we show that as believers, there's assurance of pardon in the finished work of Christ. And so uh, we have that confession of sin, assurance of pardon. Um, as we move from there, we, uh, we continue um, our service with um, just continue to read the Scripture together. Um, in 1 Timothy 4.13, I believe it is, uh, Paul tells Timothy to um, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And so we... Um, we know that the scriptures are going to be read during the sermon, uh, but we want to follow the command that that we see. Um, yeah, First uh, Timothy four thirteen. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading um, of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Yeah, um, that one really is surprising to me. That there's, if you were to visit a hundred churches, I would bet seventy five probably. 75 of the 100 don't have a public reading of Scripture, uh, other than maybe like a, a Scripture being shown on the screen that the pastor will briefly talk about. Uh, but here's a clear command. Yeah. Read Scripture publicly yeah. until Christ comes back. Yeah. Like, so why? You ever ask, you like, how do we get in that place? You know, because we did, at the beginning of uh, Redeemer and then Christ's Fellowship, when we merged, we didn't have a public reading of Scripture. No, we didn't. And then we kind of were like, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. If that if that's what the Bible says, right? And so, you know, I I don't know why. Yeah. It's just part of how we do church in America to not have that, you know? You know, it's it, it's really is amazing watching so many churches and one of the most one of the most troubling things that I found, and I, I don't say this to to bash churches or anything, but the majority of the churches I watch first time that the scriptures are open is whenever the pastor gets up to preach. Hmm. That's, that's the norm. And yeah. even then, in some cases, it's barely, barely read. Yeah. 
God has spoken. This is the most important. You know, if if we we should sing, we are commanded to sing. But the most important thing that's going to happen on Sunday morning is that we hear the word of God. And I I again going back to to how people split the the service. I don't think that people want the Bible as much as maybe they might profess to want the Bible. Um, now, with our public reading of Scripture, we, we used to just kind of pick passages that maybe went along with the sermon that was being preached, but... Um, that was tough at times. It was. <laughs> Going <laughs> through judges, that was... It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but but uh, recently, and by recently I mean what, the last... Last year. Uh, I don't know, how long did it take us to get through Matthew... I think uh, about a year and a Two month, okay. 13 months. So we've, we've started reading through the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This Sunday, we'll start the Book of Mark. We'll start the Book yeah. of Mark, yeah. It's exciting. Um, and I think for a lot of people, if they came into our church and they just, if they came on, on first day of Matthew and were just reading through the genealogy, that'd be... Yeah. That'd be odd. <laughs> That'd be really odd to them. Uh-huh. That's why we uh, give it to you, George. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're gonna wherever uh, Luke falls, yeah. we're gonna be reading the story of Jesus's birth, even if it's you know in in April. Well, you know, can we'll you be, imagine we'll if that's re- on an Easter Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it shouldn't be odd to us, right? We're reading the scriptures together. If we if we really believe what we say we believe about God's word, that it is without error, that it's it's breathed out by God, that it's inspired, um, that it is sufficient for um, all of life. Why, why shouldn't we devote uh, the lion's portion of yeah. our worship to the word? Yes. And so I, I think, and you know, I'm, I'm not, pointing at any church in particular, I think this is a widespread spread problem in America, is that we don't we don't really believe what we we say about the word of God because if we did, then we would we would devote more time to it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've spent most of my life as a Southern Baptist. And one of the things Southern Baptists pride themselves on is being people of the book. Right. But then we don't many, read it. <laughs> yeah, in many, many cases it's about everything except the book. Mm-hmm. And then whenever a sermon from the book goes a little bit past time, mm-hmm. people get upset. Right. And or or if, if if the sermon even is from the book, right. they, they'll read it and then do something else. Um, I, I would say the same thing about prayer. Mm. Well, you know, you, I, I mean, how, how, many, how many services do you go to and, and they devote a lot of time to prayer? Just a short one, maybe before the preacher. Yeah, preaches. How, yeah. How, how many times do we pray? Oh man, uh, we be, at least so, four. Yeah, we've got the beginning, uh, the confession, um, the pastoral, pastoral prayer. prayer, and then typically, um, whoever whoever preaches will end the sermon with a prayer, and then at the very end of the service, we'll end with a prayer as well. Right. Uh, a few years ago, we we really. Well, uh, something I've really been grateful for um, among our elder body is every year we, we look at what is what does the church need. And one year it led to the public reading of Scripture. We're like, we're not obeying this command. We need to do this. And so we began doing it. Um, we started looking at, we heard Ecclesiastes 5 preach. We're like, 
we need to get serious about. And so we, we changed how we began the service. Well, one year, I remember all of us meeting, we're like, what does, what does the church need? What do, we, what do we need to be doing? And we were all convicted about, we need to pray more. We're, we're not devoting enough time to prayer during our services. And um, I, I think it was Mark Dever said something to the extent of, you should pray so much in your church service, it makes unbelievers uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and, well, that, get, that brings up I mean, a good point, though, right? Because I think a lot of church services are structured for a non-believer, yeah. and the motive is good. I don't want to say that the motive is not good. Right. The motive is yeah, to there's some win good people. Intentions to, there. You know, they want to, to win people but, to Christ. Absolutely, and we all want that. Yeah. Um, but the worship service in itself is for God. It's not for That's a non-believer, right. uh, and then it's for God's people. And uh, hopefully, you know, they're getting the gospel several times in their service, yeah. and that's for the non-believer, and yeah. it's for believers. <laughs> it, it, we're jumping all over the place. We'll let you finish <laughs> the, the order of service. It's a free for all Friday, isn't it? Sometime. <laughs> um, I, again, I think we have some big problems with our understanding of even the gospel, because we think... Well, the gospel is for unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if we're going to be um, giving the gospel, well, we should we should focus our, our service on unbelievers. Mm-hmm. The gospel is for believers That's right. also. <laughs> like, That's right. The, I mean, John Piper has a great quote. You, you don't move away from the gospel. It's, it's a lot of people, they view the gospel as here's the entry in the Christianity, and then, well, that's... That's something for back back here, uh-huh. uh, and we move on to something else. And and Piper reminds us: you never you never move away from the gospel. Right. You need the gospel right. um, every day, more and more and more. You need the gospel. It's not it's not just for the entry into Christianity. It's for all of the Christian life on the on the last day that we have on this earth. We need the gospel. We need That's to right. be reminded of the gospel, and so. To, to direct the worship service towards unbelievers is doing a disservice to the needs of believers. Believers yeah. need the gospel too. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, all right, go go ahead. Go yeah, yeah. F- finish the. <laughs> so we have the. <laughs> so we have the public reading of scripture. Uh, we have public reading of scripture. We're, read, we're, we're reading. We're reading through the New Testament. How, yes. how, how uh, long do you think that will have you? I have, have kind of estimated. I have not even. Okay. I, I've kind of mapped out the next book, okay. and that's all I've done. Because okay. there have been some weeks where I'm like, that was way too big a chunk. Uh-huh. That's like, what I was going to ask you. Like, how how it, long do you think we read Scripture in that public reading of Scripture during the service? Five minutes? Uh, yeah, most of the time. Uh, I, try to, I try my best not to just—we're not just doing it for the sake of— like, like we want to try to make it where it's breaking at a spot where uh-huh. you can follow along with what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're not just like— what just happened here? Like, what right. did I just hear? Um, so I've tried to break up, and that's it. The there, readings. There's not really, there's no commentary given. Like, so whoever reads no. that scripture is reading it and sitting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one thing, and this is maybe just a tip, because maybe you're wired like I am. I found it more beneficial to try to learn to listen better because I mm-hmm. think early Christians, that's how they heard the scriptures. Yeah. But you know, we can get up and open my Bible, and now I'm following along with you. For me, it helps me to not and just to listen to yeah. the word, and try to try to grow in my ability to listen. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and so we, uh, for the next, 
I would guess probably five years maybe, we'll be reading through the New Testament together. I'm thrilled and excited about that because the Word of God is it's one of God's means of grace where he sanctifies us through his word. Your word is truth, sanctify us in your truth. It, he's going to make us to be more like Christ together as we are hearing the word together every week. And that's exciting to think about. Yeah. And so that's taking place. Uh, we'll read the scriptures together and then we will have a few more songs. We'll once again, respond to the word of God. Um, and once we have, have sang a few more songs, just responding in adoration um, and before I even move on from that, um, as we're singing, we're not just, there's not just that vertical aspect of we're adoring God for who he is, but also we're teaching one another in that. Um, teach and admonish one another, um, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So every week as we're singing, we are encouraging each other and edifying and admonishing the body of Christ as we sing. Um, and so just something amazing is happening through these ordinary uh-huh. things that the world looks at, and they're like, why would you go every week and sing songs and listen to this book that's so old? And like something extraordinary is happening, whether you see it or not. And so, have, have you considered like how many times, even before we get to the sermon, people will hear the gospel? Oh, it's, it's exciting it's, to think about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You've got... Uh, they may hear an element in the the call to worship, but it'll be explicit in the confession of sin. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, confession of sin, explicit gospel right. already at the beginning of service. It's probably coming up again in uh, the pastoral prayer, yeah. which, but also the songs. Yeah, you're singing the truth of the gospel. That's right. right, and and so it's not a lot of you brought up singing that men don't like to sing Jesus is my boyfriend songs, and I agree, <laughs> uh, but you're singing scripture and singing yeah. theology, and singing the truth of the gospel. That's so right. before you ever get to the sermon, somebody's going to already have heard the gospel like four times. Yeah. And, and that, that is pretty exciting. What, yeah. what better song to sing than the gospel? Right. Uh, I love thinking about the fact, it's yeah, it's the old, old story, but it's also the new song of Revelation 5. It's the gospel. This is We'll never get tired of singing this song. It's the greatest of all songs to sing. See, I mean, you read through the book of Psalms, and they're, they're constantly referencing the Exodus. Yeah. And they don't get tired of singing about God's deliverance <laughs> yeah. in the Exodus. The prophets prophesied of a new, greater Exodus, which is the gospel that right. Christ has redeemed us not from slavery to Egypt, but slavery from sin and death and the devil. And and if if Israel didn't get tired of singing about the Exodus, no matter how far in the past it was, we, we'll never get tired of oh, singing no. about what Christ has done for us in the gospel. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we we sing some more, and uh, but then uh, you've brought it up at that uh, we move into our pastoral prayer where we take some time. One of the elders will uh, will lead the congregation in a prayer. And do you think that's so, do you think this is the most unusual part of our our service? Probably, uh, I think yeah, I think so actually. And I, I'd um, say it's a toss up between the the confession of sin and the pastoral prayer. Yeah, you because it's mo- not the person preaching. That's what people may wonder. So yeah. before someone preaches, a different elder gives a pastoral prayer. Yeah. Now we've had maybe once or twice where the person preaching will, will pray, but we try to have one of the other elders pray. And basically they're interceding on behalf of the person that's that's preaching because we're praying for we're praying for the congregation, for the needs of our church. We're praying for um, different things that are going on in our world. Um, we're we're constantly praying for our leaders um, to come to faith in Christ, for um, for the wicked 
um, laws of our nation to be overturned, especially concerning abortion and concerning um, laws that are going against God's um, God's good design for manhood and womanhood. You know, there's all these things that we're praying for, uh, but ultimately, we always are striving to. It's I, I think it was you that brought it up originally when we first looked at doing it. It's that ultimately, this is going to be a prayer of illumination that we're praying that God would open our eyes um, to what we're about to see in His Word. Uh, we're praying for whoever's preaching, that God would help them as they proclaim the Word, help them proclaim it faithfully. And so we're praying God would um, help us to be ready to listen, open our hearts to the gospel, open the eyes of the law. So, um, so we're praying, ultimately, it's going to lead to this point of we're praying for what's about to happen. As we hear from this man who's speaking as a herald on behalf of the king, um, but also one of our goals and that as we uh, as each elder will lead this prayer at some point or another is that we're hoping that it's helping our people see how to pray and my wife has has said that it has helped her oh, praise the lord um, in her own prayer life to to um see like what 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 kind of the structure and and what should we be praying for and mm-hmm. she she has said that it's benefited her so that's and that's that's one of our hopes mm-hmm. and yeah. a lot of times we'll uh, we'll just pray scripture. We'll have mm-hmm. have a passage that will kind of be our outline, and we might kind of deviate to to hit certain prayer requests. But ultimately, we're going to stick with kind of the the flow of that text to help us. Because what better way to teach our people to pray than to pray God's word back to them? Because mm-hmm. as we pray the word of God, we're it's our our thoughts and our words are being conformed to to sound like God. Mm-hmm. And and what better way for us to talk and think than to right. to think and talk like that? That's good. And so, yeah, we will. We'll have that that prayer. And I, I think you're the one that typically will say it. I know Parker has said it a couple times that, um, kind of warning people that are visitors, like this might be a longer prayer. You might not be accustomed to this. <laughs> yeah. I just go straight in, I just <laughs> right in, and yeah. hang, hang on, you know. Um, but you know that is good to remind those who are visiting and things like that. This is going to be longer. You know, it does. You know, these are things that would not have been an issue for Christians in a previous age. But our attention span is is so short. We've got to retrain our mind mm. to co- like you are. You are not just sitting listening to a prayer. You are, but you are praying with that person. Yeah. So you. you it means you're paying attention. Yeah. Right. And you're not like dozing off during a 10... <laughs> like, right. sometimes you're, you're talking a 10-minute prayer. Yeah. That's yeah. abnormal today. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. And it, so. it's something, I think, that we can be mindful of, that we have the... You, you threw out the the uh, the danger word, liturgy, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> a few minutes ago, and, and people may not understand what liturgy is, because we don't talk about that in Baptist circles a lot. It, right. It's... it's it's just the order of service. Yeah. Every church has a liturgy. Um, they just may not call it that. Right. Uh, but our our liturgy is is the same every mm-hmm. week, and it's just something that we're prone to do. That when when something is the same, we just fall into a pattern, and we can yeah. we can often become lazy about it. Um, so it's it's for us. We we don't need to grow lazy. Right. Even though we're following the same pattern uh. every every week, um, so I, I like right. that that occasionally we do remind people why we're doing this, so that we we want them engaged, and that that's that that is um, something that our church I think does well is that the worship service it's not putting on a show. Mm. You're, 
you're not the audience and we're you know the people on the stage aren't aren't trying to do something for you right. um we try to get the people engaged in the the service like you're actively doing something you're you're actively singing um that you're actively in the corporate confession of sin we're calling on you we're encouraging you confess your sin right. um look to christ um praying along with the person that's that's doing the pastoral prayer um so we're you're when you come we don't want you to just sit back and and just let the the worship service happen and then you well i went to church today like be active yes right that's yeah. good that's yeah. good and and so having prayed and and crying out to god speak to us through your word um at this point, whoever's preaching will get up and expound the word and explain the text. Um, and this is just as much an act of worship as the singing was moments earlier. Um, I like the phrase Piper uses to describe preaching, expository exaltation. And so it's even the person behind the pulpit, it is an act of worship for them to proclaim the word. And for those who are in the pew, it is an act of worship to receive the word. <laughs> And so the worship just continues at that point as we receive it, and then... And, and preaching is worship, not just for people listening. The preacher is engaged in worship. Yeah. Like that's how... Well, if I would say as long as he's expounding God's Word and then applying it, like he's involved in worshiping God. That's right. Through, through, he's now a herald. Yeah. He's like a town, I love that he's word. A, he's a town crier yeah. for the king, and that's his worship. And you participate in that by actively listening. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And and this is the most important part of the service. While we don't compartmentalize the service, this is the part or this is the the portion of the service that we want to devote the most time to because it it's most important that we hear from God. And so that's why that's why we one of the reasons why we preach longer sermons here. And not just for the sake of preaching long sermons. Um, I know some places pride themselves on that. Um, if we could say it quicker, <laughs> with less yeah. words, you know, you know, we would. But and our name would be Josh King. <laughs> that guy's he's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love Josh. Josh King can say in two sentences what it'll take me probably two paragraphs. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's his. That's his skill. Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. So we, we worship through the preaching and through the receiving of the preached Word of God. And once again, the word revelation is given, and therefore we respond. And we respond, and we'll respond in a song, but ultimately we, we end our service with this, this last call from the Word of God to, to take the gospel out of this place. Uh, Larry is the one that I always think of, yeah, I'm talking about you, Larry. <laughs> Whenever I first came to Redeemer, when we uh, when we first moved out here, one of our first worship services, Larry ended the service with that Christ sending us out, and he he said, you know, having heard and sung the gospel, we now have the great privilege of taking the gospel out of this place and into the world in which we live. And here, just. Even from the first time hearing Larry say that, it's always stuck with me. And now every Sunday, whenever I hear the gospel, that's my thought as we're getting ready to go. I've heard the gospel. I've got to sing the gospel. I've got to get out of here to go and tell the gospel now. Now, our, 
our response to the the sermon is not the same as you probably see in a lot of Southern Baptist churches. That's true. Right? Um, so we don't have a formal, quote-unquote, invitation. Right. Right. But we most certainly have an invitation. Absolutely. Yeah. All throughout... And that's, that has been a point of contention between many people at our church and maybe family members or friends. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys don't do an invitation. To which I would encourage all of our church members who ever have this conversation to respond with, yes, we do. <laughs> we just don't call on people yeah. to walk an aisle. That's right. Yeah, sometimes during the preaching, you might get three invitations. You might, That's yeah. Right. And, you might, and you might be actually addressed directly yeah. as, a non, as a non-believer. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's, I mean, that's called Reformed Experiential Preaching. I think Joel Beakey coined mm-hmm. that phrase, but that's the style of Puritans, yeah. direct dialogue with who you know is in there, who, who you yeah. know is sitting there in front of you, right? and you not being afraid to apply it directly to them. So you may get three invitations in a sermon, mm-hmm. yeah, but it, because it, we're not telling somebody to mechanically come up here they don't consider people we, don't consider it an invitation time, you know, time. We, we don't have an altar call. Yeah. Right. Well, we don't have an altar. We don't have an altar. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. what do we do with it? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um so we don't we don't have we don't have that that um that invitation time where the music is playing. And and I would just point out we do have people that get saved in our church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Without without that. Yeah. So, in case you were just thinking, nobody ever gets saved. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, and we we call people to respond, not just in that in that moment. Right. And this this careful. This could go into another podcast. Um, we we don't want people to respond just to an emotional mm. feeling, right? So and, if 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 we don't have, you know, an invitation for someone to walk down, if God is actually working in that person, they don't need that walking the aisle to trust in Christ. Um, we, we call people all the way at the beginning of the service, like trust in Christ, like where you're, you're sitting. Don't wait. Don't wait till the end of the service. Right. <laughs> trust in Christ right then. And then uh, when we have our time of response, we also have the the closing. That's right of the service. That's right, and, and they get another appeal. That's right. We always want to make sure as we are having having that closing, we remind people today you've heard the gospel, and if you're here and you are not turning from sin and trusting in Christ, don't leave here without talking with one of the elders. And I love that we point out, or just turn to a member of Christ Fellowship Church that's in the pew next to you. Mm-hmm. And ask them, what must I do to be saved? All of our members that have been, that have joined this church, they know the gospel and can share the gospel with others. And so, if a person leaves this place without um, accepting the invitation, um, it, it's not for lack of people to talk to. Right. <laughs> like that, they, they can most certainly talk to any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there's that invitation as we prepare to go out. Um, and then, of course, we'll. Uh, We'll do announcements, things like that. I hate announcements, um, hate bulletins too. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you know, best time to do it uh, right at the end of the service. You know, just that way, we're on our way out. Hopefully, they'll remember. 
But then uh, before we go, we will have have one last prayer of God help us in light of what we've heard to live in light of this. Let me back up to oh, talk okay. about something that is the bane of every worship service announcements. Okay. And we've we've talked about where do you put these? I've been in churches where they've done them at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. <laughs> some some will do it kind of during an offering at uh-huh. the beginning yep, of right. the offering. Um I like uh, my my preaching professor and, and uh, staff at his church wrote a book called um, Church with Jesus as the Hero, and uh, my my professor actually wrote the chapter on announcements with Jesus as the Hero, um, because a lot of times the announcement time becomes kind of a, a time of of levity, mm. like let's let's just forget what we're doing, where we are, and and um. So the, the announcements are still focused on here are ways to respond, here are mm. things that we're doing as a church. That's good. That's, that's focused on the mission, huh. right? I like that. Um, so we, we welcome visitors. We give a call to, the, to those who are lost. We give any notable, like we don't read through the bulletin, right. uh, anything notable, uh, then we pray. Mm-hmm. Read scripture, and we're dismissed. That's right. Uh-huh. right. That's right. Beginning, beginning to end, our hope is that people have this this sense. This is no ordinary, right? No ordinary gathering. That God has spoken. Therefore, we respond in light of what He has said. And and man, every week we get done, and I'm like, let's just start over. <laughs> like this is this is the highlight of the week. Like I want to do this. Uh-huh. Now we got to go. We got to respond now. Mm-hmm. Live this week. Right. So, yeah. Um, do you guys want to maybe touch on uh, our view of scripture and how that would inform what we think is a, a more appropriate worship service, a worship of God, and how the scripture not only would inform worship, but it informs worship via our understanding of who God is and kind of what scriptures could you go to uh, to help people to to come to the place where they would stand in reverential fear and awe of God. Mm -hmm. And so on Sunday, they may would come to the place where they would say, okay, here, this, what we're doing here is more important than I thought, and I should take it more seriously than I thought. It's good. It's a long question. <laughs> I, I, I want to. I want to just start with pointing out that the way that we worship, the way the church worships, conveys something to everyone that's there, but also to the world. What we believe about God. Yes. And so, and that kind of comes back to what we talked about earlier. That um, for so many, they. Well, you brought up this, Isaiah six, uh, and George brought up kind of issues of kind of viewing God as different from the Old Testament, like there's Old Testament God, there's New Testament God, could we maybe go, where in the Old Testament would you point to where you could say, this is who God is, and there's no reason to really believe that he's changed from this? So where in the Old Testament maybe do we see people not approach God correctly? You see what I'm saying? Are there any verses that really kind of stand out? Oh, well, uh, I mean, the the place that I would go to is is Leviticus chapter ten. Yeah. Um, 
this is, uh, I mean, everyone's favorite book of the Old Testament is Leviticus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the book of Leviticus is all about holiness, and particularly the holiness of the priest and what the priests are doing. And so there's a lot of emphasis on the sacrifices, um, the, a lot on the ceremony um, and how the priests are supposed to act. Uh, because they're going into this holy place before a holy God, and God gives them specific instructions on how they're supposed to worship. Right. Um, and so we read in, in Leviticus chapter 10, uh, then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, so Aaron has four sons. Um, these two are his eldest ones. They're, uh, they're performing their duty as priests. Uh, they took their respective fire pans, uh, these censers, um, and put fire in them. Then they placed incense on it and offered strange fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of Yahweh and consumed them, and they died before Yahweh. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what Yahweh spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Um, so you've got these priests. They've been given the solemn duty of... Uh, I mean, they're, they are the mediators between the people and God. Yeah. Offering sacrifices for the sins of the people. That, I mean, this is a serious responsibility. And Nadab and Abihu, they, uh, they, they offer strange fire. They, God, God has prescribed a particular type of incense that's supposed to be offered on the altar, and they, they offer something else. Um, and God kills them for it. And his response is, I'm holy. And we act like uh, God likes when we stage dive. <laughs> okay. You know, if we, uh, if we bring in, you know, some BMX bikes and mm. try to get people excited by riding through, you know, rings of fire... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, uh, you got Ed Young Jr. Uh, down in Texas doing everything. Um, you know, him and his wife are in a bed on top of the church roof because uh-huh. he's doing a series on marriage and sex. Ah, uh, God's fine. <laughs> it's like where, where in the world would we get that idea that God just approves of everything mm. that we do? And I, I came across this. Um, this tweet um, this week, if you want to put it up on the screen, God killed two priests in the Bible for using incense that was not prescribed by God for worship. Just because you quote unquote feel like your worship is worship doesn't mean it's accepted by God as worship. Your heart doesn't define worship. The Bible defines worship, sola scriptura. But that's not, that's not the, the fire part of it. The fire part of it was the comment at the top. Some of y'all would hire Nadab and Abihu as your mm. worship leaders. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> yep. And I think I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think they absolutely would. Yeah. They don't. They they don't treat God as holy. Yeah. Mm. They don't think that God would do, <laughs> would do something like this. There, there was a quote you said. I don't know who you were quoting. Somebody else. Um, 
It was dur- it might have been the Ecclesiastes five. That Ecclesiastes five sermon had a huge impact on me. If, oh. you, if you haven't noticed, so. <laughs> you've only mentioned it like ten times, right? <laughs> hey, but here's the here's the thing about like Ecclesiastes. People will see Ecclesiastes sermon and they won't listen to it yeah. online. Online, they're like, oh, yeah, oh what? Lame. I don't want to get depressed. Yeah. Okay, so anyone listening, <laughs> anyone listening, if you haven't listened to the Ecclesiastes, especially the uh, beginning of chapter 5 sermon, I don't even remember what you called it, but uh, that sermon had a profound impact. You he, quoted, he, doesn't, he doesn't remember either. He doesn't, he doesn't remember, remember what we call it. Nobody knows. Um, mm-hmm. There's a quote you said, um, the beginning of, uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of worship. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's really stuck out to me, and I think that that's... That's part of the problem is there's no fear of the Lord. There's no um, no seeing God as holy as he is, and as a result, people do not worship him rightly as they should. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so you have people that would be like, well, God doesn't do that nowadays. Uh, how, uh, how serious do you think people take the Lord's Supper in most churches nowadays, Southern Baptist churches? Some might so, not oh. know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. For they'll, real. they'll do it. Yeah. Probably quarterly, yeah. Right. A lot of times, I've I've begun seeing it's in a little prepackaged. Uh-huh. I, I used to work for an audio video company, and we did work at a church one time, and it was like on a Monday or Tuesday, and I'm walking up to the front, and I notice on the ground there's the Lord's Supper mm. packet just laying there, like, um, what? <laughs> a lot of a lot of churches probably don't take it super seriously. Uh, Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives instructions on the Lord's Supper. And then he says, He who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Talking about the Lord's Supper. Uh, For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. People are dying (laughs) because they're not taking the Lord's Supper correctly. Mm -hmm. How about the offering? I think Hmm. a lot of people take the offering seriously. You come to Acts chapter five, and you've got Ananias and Sapphira. They so everyone is is if they have a field that they want to donate to the church, they're selling the field, they're bringing the money to the apostles, and they're distributing it to any who have need in the church. Uh, this is not first century communism. This is not. Uh, this this isn't being forced, and they're not even told to do they're it. They're not told it's to do vol- it. It's all voluntary. They can do it voluntarily. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, what is it not under your authority? Why is it that you laid this deed in, uh, in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God." And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard. Um, so what they did is they sold this field. They came to the church, and they gave some of the money to the apostles, but they told the apostles that they gave all of it. Right. So they're, they're trying to make themselves look good while holding back some of the money. And God kills them for it. <laughs> he kills both of them for it. Um, we think that God has changed from the Old Testament, that he won't kill people um, for, for worshiping in a, uh, a way that's not, not approved by him. Mm-hmm. There's, there's two examples in the New Testament of, of him doing just yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. 
I, I always think of Second um, Samuel chapter 6, whenever uh, David's moving the Ark of the Covenant um, uh, into Jerusalem. Um, there's a big celebration, and uh, it says in Second Samuel 6, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And so, mm-hmm. right, right there, they're like, they're worshiping God. Lots of things wrong here, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, how are they supposed to carry it? Yeah, it's, it's not meant to go on an ar- uh, cart by hand, by right. with yeah. the poles, it's and to be, go on the shoulders and then. Yeah, R.C. Sproul's got an incredible sermon on this, uh, it's, and it's he talks of, about this. Uh, it's part of the holiness of God. He's it's it's in the holiness yeah. of God. Um, Uzza thinks that. Uh, oh, yeah. The the mud is dirtier than than he is. What, than what he a is. statement! Yeah. Oh man, yeah. And so he presumes to to put out his hand to steady the ark, and God kills him. It would have been better for it to fall into the the mud than for him to touch it. Yeah, right. That speaks to the seriousness of the human condition. Mm, yeah. Um, th- so there's a lot of presumptions going on, I think, in these stories in the Old Testament about man and God, and those both carry over mm-hmm. to today. Absolutely. Right? Like we have an incorrect assessment of who we are and a, an incorrect view of who God is. And so then we <coughs> now can... God, now God's mercy is so great that when somebody does something like Michael Todd spitting in his hand and wiping it on someone's face as part of a sermon illustration, he, God doesn't strike Michael Todd. Right. Dead right there. Yeah. Um, he's he's merciful, but we should not presume upon God's mercy mm. and say because God doesn't strike us down for worshiping Him improperly, it means that He approves of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It just means that God's mercy and grace is greater than our sins. Yeah. Right. And He and He gives us opportunity to repent. Amen. Um, would you guys speak to, it may be new for somebody, these terms, the uh, regulative principle of worship, and then maybe talk about the other view. I, can, I believe it's called normative, normative. normative principle of worship. So those are new terms, So, but that's really how two, church, like, two streams of churches today, they're kind of, there are those who would kind of do what we do. Mm-hmm. Those would fall into the regulative principle of worship. Mm-hmm. What is that? So the regulative principle is basically we we do only what we see commanded in Scripture. That God has um, God has instructed us on how to be worshipped, and so in His Word, and so that's what we do uh. in in our worship services. So everything that we are doing has a scriptural basis, um, and so the Word of God regulates our worship. The Word of God um, shapes it, and it regulates how we go about approaching this God and worshiping Him. And so that, uh, George, you want to add anything to that? Is I think it, I think it's helpful to compare it with the normative yeah. um, principle. You can you can you can kind of grasp what's going on. Both of these came out of the Reformation, right? By the way, um, as the reformers were um, trying to correct the the blasphemous worship yeah. of Rome, 
they're trying to formulate, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? But we're not supposed to do the mass. What are we supposed to do? Um, so Luther, he, uh, he, he followed what is now called the normative principle. Uh-huh. Um, and that is um, the idea that whatever the scripture does not prohibit is allowed. Uh, but the regulative principle, which I, I think Calvin, I think Calvin was think the so the primary originator of the regulative principle. I I could be wrong on that. I know he followed it. Mm-hmm. Um, w- was um, whatever this we only do what the scripture right. tells us to do, um, and I think that's the that's by far the safer. Oh, absolutely, because. Man's heart is so wicked um, that there's a lot of things that we can come up with that the Bible doesn't expressly <laughs> prohibit. And, right. and with you know. with the normative principle, like getting a tattoo, well, well getting a tattoo, not, but, well, well, not getting a tattoo, but because I'm not going to speak either way, one way or against that, but <laughs> right, getting a tattoo on, on stage during the on during stage the while you're yeah. preaching. Well, I mean that's a that's a more extreme, and we can we can focus on the extreme, but it's good for us to pull back and say what are what are the little ways that we would violate the regulative principle and fall more into the normative principle. And I, I think we've seen that a lot in the the small churches that we've been in. Like the happy birthday stuff? Like the happy birthday oh. stuff. Uh, I mean, we talk about the patriotic stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, s- singing the pledge, uh, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance, singing the national anthem in the worship service. That would be a violation of the regulative principle. We don't, we don't see that prescribed well, in the worship service. Um, puppet shows? Puppet shows, drama teams, uh, showing movies. Uh-huh. You yeah, know, movie there's clips. all these things that right. the Bible doesn't say you can't do that. And as good as their intentions may be, what tends to happen with the normative principle, it leans much more into man's preferences into what pleases God. Right. And and that's where we... I'd like to think that if Luther was alive today and saw the abuses I don't th- in the church, no, I think mm-hmm. he'd follow the regulative principle. No, there'd be... He, he would have some interesting it'd be, words. It'd be hammer time. <laughs> right. You yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what does the scripture... So I, I, I think that... I think that Kind of gives clarity to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there something else that you would add to the regulative principle? A, I mean, it's, no, it's I what so. it's regulated by what right. the scripture tells us to do. Which is why we started reading scripture, right? We're like, exactly. hey, if this is a clear in the Bible, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. So, so, so that that begs the question: What does the scripture prescribe for us to do? Well, at this point, we're going into reading the word, singing the word, praying the word. Um, I like how some people will even go see, seeing the word, taking the sacraments, mm. uh, so the Lord's Supper and baptism, um, and so it's the word of God shapes our worship. The word of God, um, the regulative principle also would guard how we do the Lord's Supper. Very you know, good we, point. we we talked about this during COVID. Um, churches just taking it mm. with animal crackers and you know. Pizza yeah. and a Dr. Seven, Pepper yeah. in the comfort uh, you of your know, own home. Some Seven Up, some Kool Aid, or, or whatever. The regular that that you know the, the Bible doesn't say you have to do it this way. I guess, right. <laughs> but but what we see, what we see practiced, is uh, it doesn't say it, but I'm assuming unleavened bread, um, since it's the Passover meal, and wine. Mm. Now we we pulled back. 
to doing grape juice, which, you know, that's another discussion. Right. <laughs> but it's not Kool-Aid. You know, it's not right. it's not grape flavored Kool Aid. Right, <laughs> it's still coming from the same. Yeah, there were, it's the, coming from the same fruit. And there would be some people who would say we don't follow the regular principle. They would, yeah, because we don't have wine. Yeah. Right. And historically, up until uh, you know, uh, what the ni- nineteen early nineteen hundreds, yeah. nobody had anything but wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so churches that whole time used wine. So did we just decide to use wine? I don't think. Uh. We, <laughs> I don't think we can do that. That's gonna. We can't do that on the podcast. We're going to have to talk uh, with the other yeah. el- other elders about that first. Uh, you know, Josh King's church, we always bring up Josh. He's just like the the uh, stellar example for us. Let's be more like Josh. That's right. They they do uh, they do wine and grape juice. They they market. Right. For for those who maybe would because of their history of their life would have just it would violate their conscience mm. to to participate in, in consuming alcohol. Mm. So Little, little thimble of wine, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. So, so the regular principle: singing, prayer, preaching, the uh, Lord's Supper, baptism, yeah. confession, mm. yeah, um, offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all things that we see. I Me, mean, you look at the the beginning of Acts and you see how the church is described. Those are the things that yeah. the regulated principal would say. These are the these are the things that you're supposed to do. You guys want to know my ideal church service? I don't know. Do, it's two do hours we? long. <laughs> okay. It consists of about an hour long sermon. Okay. But I also have an hour of worship with the Lord's Supper in it, and a time for giving in the service. I, I mean, do I you, mean, I, do you want people to lay their their money at your feet? Also, is that, no, no, is no, that no, ide- no. Is that ideal for you? They can, I mean, uh, they can put it in the round we're, plate. We're not too far off, man. We just need thirty more minutes. Is that? <laughs> About thirty. I mean, more that minutes, would be so. a great sun. So. That'd be a great day. That'd yeah. be a great Sunday. I and it wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, we we can sit in a three hour movie, right, and go to three hour Marvel right. movie. Yeah, I can go with the two hour church service. This is way better than a and Marvel movie. And now people listening yeah. to the podcast, their members are getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a sack lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess we could um, maybe make some comments about... I'm following. I'm looking at your thing. You've got some, oh the, the, the brief some, outline. You've got some continuity, discontinuity, right? Yeah, and I think that would be um, something good to discuss because right. we we've talked about it when we mm-hmm. talk about the uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, there there is continuity and discontinuity between mm-hmm. the the testaments, right? Yeah, there's a um, so in other words, you know, why don't we do animal sacrifices? Yeah, right. <laughs> what, like that that was prescribed in the old testament why if we're following the regulative principle why don't uh-huh. we do that right right well it's because there is discontinuity between the old testament and the new testament the old covenant and the new covenant right um and the roman catholic church has seen continuity as the driving the driving force between the two testaments so they they still have priest. Um, they still have the mass, which is a sacrifice. They they still have a sacrificial mm-hmm. system. Um, 
we've we've watched the video on here of the Roman Catholic priest talking about the mass and how they have the the little box and they open it and there's the there's the curtain and there's the holy of holies um so they they see the uh the the continuity but that's not how we see it right we see discontinuity that's right right um but not total discontinuity right right because i think i think this is daniel block for the book uh for the glory of god good book great book on worship it's a biblical theology of worship isn't it it is well I think chapter one's more of a biblical theology, and then each chapter after that, he kind of takes a section like family worship, um, all life is worship. So it kind of gets systematic there as the book unfolds. But it is, it's, I think he calls it a biblical theology of worship. So he says, um, although most assume that unless the New Testament reiterates notions found in the First Testament, the latter are obsolete, we should probably assume the opposite. Unless the New Testament explicitly, expressly declares First Testament notions obsolete, they continue. And so this would get into, you brought that up, I think, crystal clear. Like we talked about who God is in the Old Testament. Will we still see that he <laughs> right. is that in the New yeah, Testament? Yeah, he hasn't changed. Yeah. But we don't have a priesthood, because that is explicitly obsolete from the book of Hebrews, Right. We become a kingdom of priests, right? And that's that's where the uh, that's where we have to see our biblical theology, and we have to understand the flow of revelation and right. typology. We we do have a priesthood. Mm-hmm. We still have a high priest, right? He's just not Levitical, right. <laughs> and he's not he's not here on earth. We have a Melchizedekian high priest um, who lives forever. Yeah, um, and he ministers not in an earthly tabernacle, but in the heavenly tabernacle, um, and then we. In Christ, become a kingdom of priests, right. right? And so, uh, the Apostle Paul, in many of his epistles, and we'll see it at the end of Hebrews, also they use Old Testament worship language to talk about yeah. what we're supposed to do. That's right. We're right. supposed to bring a sacrifice, right? But right. Paul, right. in in Romans chapter twelve, he says, "We are the <laughs> we are the living sacrifice, right? Right, right? We're the living sacrifice, or we're supposed to give a sacrifice of praise." Um, so he, he still uses, he talks about his life in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. That's Old Testament, that's Old Covenant language talking about his own ministry, his own yeah. sacrifice. Um, and so there, there is continuity, but there's also massive discontinuity. Right. You're right, yeah. You have, you know, if, if Block's quote is true, and I think, I think it is true, like we should assume what is said in Ecclesiastes five still applies today. Yeah. That you should be careful when you come before God and worship Him. Mm-hmm. You should guard your mouth. Your words should be few. You should be very careful with what comes out of your mouth in your worship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that is a big, big warning for preachers. Like you don't. Well, I that, think I think it's a big warning for for uh, music. Wh- Leaders. Music leaders. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know where I first heard it. I may have heard it from you. I, I don't remember, but a, a lie sung is still a lie. Mm, yeah. Like if you're singing something that's not true, mm-hmm. it's still a lie. <laughs> it's it's or, still uh, not true. And it could have even a, a, a more widespread repercussion because what do we remember? Well, I mean, it's it's taking a it's taking a you know piece of humble pie to right. to say. People probably aren't going to remember the points of my sermon. I hope they. I yeah, hope yeah, they yeah. get. I hope yeah. they get like the overall message, and and can look back at the passage and understand it. But I'm not expecting that they're going to know 
my points, but what do they remember? What are they going to be doing on Monday morning? Singing. They're going to be singing the songs that we we sang on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if they're singing something like um, Reckless Love, Reckless Love <laughs> that's going to have that's going to have big repercussions. But there's a good alternative, we- isn't there? Called Relentless Love. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) Early in ministry, I'm so grateful it happened early in ministry. I went to a conference. I don't even know who said it, but it scarred me for life. They, (laughs) in a good way, in a good way. But it changed. It forever changed the way that I I went about leading worship. They made the statement that for worship leaders, um, we get to do something that few people in the world can do. Uh, We put words in people's mouths, Mm. and then they said. You're going to be held accountable for the words you put in people's mouths, right? And yeah. so from then on, I'm I'm like double and triple checking: are the songs we're singing are they are they biblical? Do they have biblical basis? Am I putting the word of God in people's mouths? That's good. Um, I think that's why it's important, and that's that's why you're an elder, um, because you're a theologian, mm-hmm. and we need we need song leaders that aren't just musically gifted. We need theologians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need people that are skilled in the Word of God because of those very things. We don't need someone that just knows how to play an instrument um, and maybe has you know a charismatic personality, but they actually are able to handle the Word yeah. of God, um, and they, they can spot where those theological inaccuracies are. Yeah. I think that's what we... I think that's one of the biggest changes we've seen in in the church, especially in recent past century, is used to the songs of the church were being written by pastors, mm-hmm. being written by theologians. And right. now, and I think we were even getting into a little bit of this conversation earlier yesterday or something, where so much of the songs now are coming from Christian musicians, coming from Christian radio. It's not being right. written by theologians. It's right. being written by... Entertainers. Yeah, yeah. And it shows. In the yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous. Absolutely. Dangerous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I think, I think I've really enjoyed this podcast and talking with you guys about this. I hope, you know, hopefully people will enjoy it as well and maybe be challenged in some areas. And, and uh, hopefully they didn't take uh, the things we said in the wrong way, you know. Um, that was n- not our intent, to make people feel bad or try to, to give this idea that we are better than other people. But we do think we are doing this biblically and correctly. Yeah. Right? Well, the, you know, the um the one of the mottos of the reformation was the church reformed mm. always reforming yeah. according to the word of God. That's right. And so we should never get to the place where we're like, well, we've arrived. Because right. we because we're so prone to drifting. We're I mean, we've we've seen this over and over again in the warning passages of Hebrews. Be careful, lest you drift away, because mm-hmm. that that's just what we tend to do. We tend to drift away, and we can do that in our worship as well as we can in any other area of of life. And so, the church needs to constantly be um, looking at what they're doing, and and holding up their practices next to the Word of God and saying, does this does this line up? Does this match? And if it doesn't. We should we should love God, um, love His Word, love the gospel, love the people enough to say, well, even if we're comfortable doing this, we've been doing this for a long time. This is it's it's tradition that on the Fourth of July we sing the national anthem. Does it line up with the Scripture? Well, if it doesn't, we should say we love God and His Word enough that 
we'll sing the national anthem some other time. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll lay down our tradition for the purity of our worship. Um, and we, we need to constantly be doing that in, I mean, even us, I mean, we, we do it, we do it every year. We, we, we look at it and say, are we doing this right? Where are we, where do we need to improve? Um, but it also, it always needs to be reforming according to the word of God. That's right. Um, and so our, our point in doing the podcast isn't to say we're doing it 100% right all the time. What's wrong with you guys? It's, um, that's, it's, it's an, it's a challenge. It's an encouragement, uh, an exhortation to say, let's look at the word of God and make sure that we're worshiping God rightly Amen. the way that he, uh, he's prescribed and the way that he, uh, deserves. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we love God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like to see people going to worship God with weird stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like spitting in my wife's face. Well, you know, it's easy Don't to... You. you know what I mean? It just bothers me. It's easy to uh, draw the, the analogy of we know our, our wives and we know what they like. Do we intentionally set out to do things that they don't like? Some people do. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But if you love your wife, <laughs> if you love your wife, you're going to do things that she likes to do, right? Like you're not going to give... If you know your wife likes certain things, um, come her birthday or Christmas time, you're not going to give her something that you know that she doesn't like, right? Yeah. Why do we do that with God on a weekly basis? Like we, like God has told us what He desires. Right. He He's told us how to worship Him. We don't have to drum up new ways to worship Him. He's told us in His Word. Why would we intentionally do things that He doesn't want us to do? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No. Well, I think it was uh, good. Thank you for coming in, Philip. Yeah, thanks, say, uh, we enjoy. really appreciate all that you do. We know you work very hard, yep. uh, not, on, not only during the week. You have a, a full-time regular job, but also during the week you're preparing uh, to help us to worship God, and we're incredibly grateful for that, and yep. we know you really put a lot of thought and prayer and effort into it, so we just want to say thanks for that. Yep. yep. It's yeah, a joy. Well, thank you for listening today on this uh, podcast on worship. Please share it with your friends. Hopefully it's been a benefit to you and helped you to think about uh, what we do when we worship God. And it's our hope and our desire that this podcast would help you to become more and more conformed to Christ. Um, If it's doing that, please give us a like, subscribe, share, uh, or maybe write us a review. That stuff just helps other people to find us. And that's our hope is that we could uh, proclaim the gospel to as many people as possible. Uh, so that we, they could learn about this great God and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. I uh, will see you next time. <laughs>